Oh, hi, Sam. Oh, hi, Kyle. Oh, hi, everybody. Oh, hi, listeners. Welcome to uh, the season one finale of Insert Movie Here, the musical. I'm your host, Sam. I'm Kyle. The other host. I'm not your only host, I suppose. (laughs) I'm one of the hosts. I'm here as well. Uh, Yeah. Welcome to Insert Movie Here, the musical, a podcast where we take movies that should probably never be on stage and turn them into musicals anyway. Uh, So we figure figure out sort of structural changes to the plot, what the musical might look like on stage, what the songs would be, where they'd be... Yeah, and this sort of conversation happens in real time. Kyle and I watched a movie separately, the same movie separately, and now we're going to figure out how to do it together all at once. And at the end of each episode, what happens, Kyle? I go away, and I write a song, and we get a very talented person to sing it, and uh, they sing it for you at the end of the, at the, end of the episode. Yes, and uh, before we play the theme song... We want to say oh hi to one extra special person. You may have heard us on previous episodes referencing someone named producer John or Johnny Fingers. And we're here to tell you uh, we're not insane. It's not a uh, secret imaginary friend. He's not a mythical being we've been... It's not Brad Pitt wearing a coat in the corner. We call him Johnny Fingers because he listens in on our conversations about these movies And sometimes he types in messages, questions saying, what are you talking about? Or, I think this could be more clear. So, John, can you give a very special, can you give a very special oh hi to our audience? Oh hi, everyone. (laughs) I am, my name is John (laughs) Albert Harris. I will be here in the background. Would you, Johnny Fingers, would you like the honor of saying hit the theme song today? I would love, I would love that. Yes. So without further ado, hit that theme song. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they did it with hairspray. They did it with Xanadu. Why not Inception? Or maybe The Godfather 2. They did it with Spamalot and Little Shop and Groundhog Day. So why not try with Paranormal Activity? Just take any movie and add in like 10 or 12 songs. So what if Schindler's singing feels oh so wrong? So what if the flick we pick's a fit a bit unsuitable? We'll make it a Broadway hit, both baffling and beautiful. Just give us an hour, even Deer Hunter is doable. It's Insert Movie Here, the musical. Pick any movie and insert it right here. Yeah! So today we're doing like a very different sort of movie than we've ever done on this podcast. I don't think there's really a pattern to the kind of movies we do necessarily, but I think a common thread with all of the movies we've done before and usually we'll do after is they're at least loved or judged (laughs) or thought of because of how good they are. Is that a good way of putting it? I don't know. That's a bad way of putting it. We're doing something different in that we're doing an objectively bad movie. One of the worst movies ever made. That's a good way of putting it. And a, a movie that is only well known because of For how bad being it is. Bad. We don't love yes. every movie we do on this podcast, but we at least acknowledge that the reason we saw it was because many, 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 many people thought it was good. Yes. And good enough to be seen and shared. Whereas the movie we're doing right now... 
is not that way. <laughs> uh, we're doing The Room. We're doing The Room. You knew that because of the episode title, but you also knew that because what else could we be talking about at this moment? Yes. This is the 2003 Tommy Wiseau movie, not the, uh, whenever it was, movie uh, with uh, Brie Larson and our beloved Jakey Tremblay. For those of you who haven't seen The Room, maybe you saw The Disaster Artist, which was the James Franco movie from a few years ago that was sort of about chronicling the making of The Room where James played Tommy Wiseau. But if you haven't seen that or you haven't seen The Room, Kyle, can you give us the quick summary for the love of God, please? Okay. So Tommy Wiseau, who I guess I would describe as this sort of like um, vaguely Eastern European, like gorilla meets vampire man. He plays this man named Johnny, who, because he's played by Tommy Wiseau, is just very weird. But I suppose he's just beloved by all the people in his life. And he's engaged to this woman named Lisa. And he's best friends with this guy named Mark. And there's also this sort of next door neighbor named Denny, who is like an orphan, maybe. And um, the basic plot of the thing is just that, like, his life is unraveling. His best friend Mark starts sleeping with uh, Lisa, and he loses everything. But then, like, while that's happening, there's all this sort of, like, random weird stuff that that is happening as well, such as um, Lisa's mother is constantly visiting, um, and she in a non-sequitur way, reveals at one point that she has breast cancer. Um, there are these people who come into their apartment who may or may not be friends with Lisa who have sex on their couch and eat chocolate. Um, and then there's also, like, <laughs> De Denny has this, like, uh, drug deal confrontation with a gun and a drug dealer named Chris R. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, but this all sort of culminates because Johnny, like, finds out about the affair by overhearing them and, like, tape recording them and he has this massive confrontation with them at his surprise quote-unquote birthday party where he destroys his home and then he shoots himself in the face and kills himself that's the room that is the room that is the room literally <laughs> figuratively and spiritually <laughs> yeah there's just like uh there's there's so much crazy stuff that happens in this movie <laughs> I think the only way we can begin talking about The Room yeah. and talking about turning The Room into a musical is by your first encounter with The Room and what happened when you saw The Room and what your experience was. So why don't you start us off there, Kyle? Great, I will. I will share my story. So um, Sam and I went to college together uh, and we did not see this movie together, but it was screening at our university center with special guest... Tommy Wiseau, uh, director, writer, producer, star, um, probably animal some handler, animal handler. I had no idea what this movie was. And like halfway through it, I felt like my, I transcended my body and I was like, I cannot believe something this exquisitely bad exists in the world. Um, and I was like, if they're selling DVDs, I have to like get one. And as I'm getting my DVD signed by Tommy Wiseau, uh, our friend who I saw the movie with, his name is Thomas. He told Tommy Wiseau, his name is also Tom. Thomas told Tommy Wiseau, he said, oh, uh, Kyle, he writes uh, musicals. And Tommy Wiseau said, oh, then he, he looked at me and proclaimed to me and he said, then you will write The Room, The Musical. <laughs> and thus... Here we are. Which wait, here well, we are. We are fulfilling a promise a decade in the making. Do you feel like powerful in this moment, Kyle? 
I feel extremely powerful. I never thought that would actually happen. But here's a fine point I want to say right at the top of this. Yes. I'm sure out there in the world there exists, and, and, and nothing against these, it sounds perfectly good. There exists a lot of room parody musicals. Yes. Good. I'm glad you're covering this. This is not our intent. Our intent is to create a Broadway-style musical based on The Room, and that's going to be a challenge. We're not trying to just meme your favorite moments. It might sometimes overlap. Sometimes, like, we're not going to not say, hi, doggy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we could, like, talk about this movie for an hour, maybe three. We've been talking about it on and off for ten years. One could say our conversation is uh, ongoing about The Room. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It's dark. Yeah, well, you you get through the entire movie, the entire bad movie, the entire problematic movie, and you end up being like, yeah. oh, somehow, despite how bad this was, it felt a little Shakespearean. <laughs> <laughs> like, the movie ends with him, like, bleeding out in the various figures of his life, finding him bleeding out, and they are all like, oh, if we had done he this shoots differently. Himself. He shoots Yeah, he shoots himself. Yeah, yeah. After, like, destroying the rest of his apartment, he shoots himself. (laughs) And all of these characters find him, and they mourn him. And it it feels like the end of Romeo and Juliet, when, like, everyone stumbles upon Juliet and Romeo's body and is like, if only we'd gotten here minutes sooner. Yeah, yeah, Mark kisses his forehead, um... Denny, Denny the orphan at, man child, runs in and says, "Go, leave me alone with leave the us. body. Leave us. <laughs> leave. Like, what is he gonna do to Tommy Wiseau's body? <laughs> I think he just wanted a moment alone with with it. But anyway, we have to figure out how to approach this Lisa character. Um, well, she's presented in a way that." Doesn't make you think Tommy Wiseau has good feelings about women in general. Well, that's a whole that's a whole thing we gotta we gotta go into, and we've gotta do better at. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's tricky because I feel like we want to still make Lisa the sort of ostensible villain of the of Tommy Wiseau's story, at, while at the same time acknowledging that he's doing her dirt the char- the character and the actress dirty by. By writing this type of character? Does that make sense? This seems like the perfect sort of musical to employ, like, the unreliable narrator. You know what I mean by that? Like, I think we should literally be presenting Tommy Wiseau as, like, an Iago of sorts. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Explain that. Uh, it's Tell Tommy Wiseau who plays the character Johnny. We see Tommy Wiseau slash Johnny telling us the story of how his life was ruined, how Johnny's life was ruined. Yeah. And by telling it, we, the audience, see that it was actually his fault, and he just doesn't get it. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's how we have to do it, yeah. Which, if you've read Othello, is not what Iago does. I Yeah, I was like, how is this iago <laughs> All I meant by the Iago comparison is, like, we're following his plans and his ideas, but we know he sucks. So the vibe of it is this, like, dark comedy about the goofy idiosyncrasies of and foibles of man as told to us by a misanthropic weird future incel (laughs) (laughs) like maybe a vampire yeah
of do want to lean into this like Shakespearean side of things though of this like epic tale of like love and betrayal that ends in like yes bodies in the streets of San Francisco and an orphaned child wailing <laughs> to the gods like for vengeance like, yeah 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 so do we want a sort of prologue of like Tommy was so explaining like what you're about to see is the inevitable force of the universe yeah i mean there what was- if what if the light just came on and tommy Wiseau just did the prologue to romeo and juliet <laughs> without any sort of context for why <laughs> like he was just like two households both alike these pair of star-crossed lovers take their lives i think that's fun i think that really sets us up as like what is this narrator <laughs> Well, I think it does I think it does a few things which I think are really good. I think it number 1 instantly puts Tommy Wiseau into a theatrical context. It <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it it does. Yes, yeah, yeah. And and it lets you know that you're going to be seeing a different a, a a new take on this. It's it, it's reimagined for theater and it also um gets at something which I think is really important with this movie, which is that Tommy Wiseau, as a writer and director, wanted this to be big, high art. You know, he wanted it to be Shakespeare. So the lights come up. Tommy Wiseau walks on. He's wearing a black oversized blazer. His black long hair is flowing in the wind. Yes. And he says... He says, like, two households, both alike in dignity. (laughs) I can't do it. Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Ver- in fair San Francisco, where we lay yes. our scene. So, uh, <laughs> from ancient grudge break new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. Mm-hmm. And then he like ends and bows, and the show starts. It's it has to start with like like what is what is the thing he always says to everybody when he first meets them. Oh, hi, doggy. Oh, hi, Mark. He says, oh, Oh, hi. Hi, babe. It has to start with a song that is literally, I mean, it's it's bonjour from Beauty and the Beast, but it's, but it's, oh, hi. And it's him going through San Francisco and everybody loves him. Maybe we get the (laughs) dog thing in here. Like he goes in to get the flowers. He says, oh, hi, doggy. He does all that. Oh, hi, doggy. Like we're establishing everybody loves him and everybody's saying, oh, hi. And that Tommy was so, has a really good life. And maybe also in this, he sort of established that he, um, he, he's going to marry Lisa. We're sort of setting the world, right? Like, at one point in time, he's, like, walking down a street in San Francisco with, like, a 50-piece marching band that has just followed him because they love him so much. Yes. Blaring their horns, and he's like, oh, hi, oh, hi, oh, hi, doggy, oh, hi, Mark. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> does he, does, does he, uh, does it end with, is there a Lisa segment to the song, or does it end with him, uh, he's home? I think the actual action of the song is he's picking up all of these things he needs for the day to make Lisa's night perfect. Like, he's getting flowers. He's getting pizza. He's getting something from everyone. Like, this is all about his, like, walk home from work. Every, everything in it is to give Lisa the best life he can. And it ends with him, like, coming home. Exactly. (laughs) 
Um, a note that I wrote that I'm kind of embarrassed to admit, but I wrote the note, and this is just after the pillow fight. I wrote that you really buy that they're in love. <laughs> and by that, I mean, by that, I mean, you would not end that scene thinking this is going to be a movie about cheating. You'd be like, this is a batshit crazy movie. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't understand what their concept of love is, but you'd be like, wow, they're into the same stuff. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I think... Which actually which actually brings me to a thought. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, if the Oh Hi song is him setting up expectations for the, the evening, maybe the way we sort of chart the rest of the musical or set up the rest of the musical as him being... Uh, either psychotic or out of touch with reality is he setting up these expectations for what his life of Lisa is and the happiness they feel. And that's why he wants to marry her. And then when we get there, we see that it's just not that. Yes. That she's not ready to get married. Or at least to him. Yeah. So like in the movie, they have this pillow fight with an orphan where you, you make even the most cynical audience member believe they're in love. But maybe, like, the first song post uh, Oh Hi is, like, him trying to have a pillow fight with her and her being like, stop trying to have a pillow fight with me. I just want to fuck. What? Yeah, it's like, it's like, why does sex always have to be so weird with you? It's sort of song. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's and like... It would, be, it would be like her being like, Mm, so what are you going to do next? And he's like, I'm going to get a pillow and our next door neighbor orphan. And she's like, no, 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 Johnny, no, no. Johnny, Johnny, just have sex with me. Just tell me you love me. And he's like, pillows, kill me. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of it, he proposes to her. Yes. And then I feel like what we want is similar to what happens in the movie. I feel like the next thing that happens is Lisa sort of, uh, vents her frustration to the mom to the mom right so what happens is he proposes to her and through proposing to her she realizes maybe i'm not ready to commit to a lifetime of pillow and denny sex yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then she goes and she talks to her mom and the mom yeah. is like tommy's great you said yes and she's like but i want more we just like don't know how that manifests itself through song yeah and, like, I'm trying to think in that scene, it's just they say so many crazy things. It's so hard to, like, wade through it. Maybe the song is, like, this comforting ballad to the daughter, to Lisa. The mother is singing to Lisa about, he's your financial security. You know, you need to stay with him. Like, he loves you. He's such a great man. Oh, and by the way, I have breast cancer. And Lisa's like, wait, 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 wait. And she's like, no, but listen, you know, it just keeps going back to, you know... Does that make sense? Because in the because in the movie at this, at, how does the breast cancer reveal actually happen in the movie? She's like, um, I think the mom says it's actually in another scene with the mom. I believe the mother says, "I life is bad. Nobody listens to me, and I'm dying." And Lisa's like, "You're not dying." And the mother goes, "I am. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer." <laughs> and Lisa says, "They're curing people every day." And the mother says, "Oh." So here's an idea. Yeah. She gets proposed to. She goes to talk to her mom to tell her. Yeah. And while there, the mom says, I'm dying of breast cancer. And she realizes life is short. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. She can't, 
she can't marry Tommy Wiseau because life is short because her mom is dying of breast cancer, even though she's not. I think it's like a really big solo, sort of like a torchy ballad that the mom sings about how she has breast cancer, right? I don't know. Oh my God, I'm so ruined. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe it's called like The Results. At one point she does say in the movie, she says, I want it all. I just want to take, take, take. Sorry, my, my I'm I'm having a Fight Club brain broken moment. What uh what is what is what is the what's up? I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's just let's keep going. Like, what, but is there a possibility that like rather than the song being like the mom saying I have breast cancer, right. it's more like that triggers Lisa singing a song about how that makes me her feel and like her mom being like wait did you hear me I have breast cancer I'm dying and her being like I know and that's exactly why I can't marry Johnny that's exactly yes. why I have to do this yeah, thing yeah 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 and it, this can be like a big torchy ballad called I don't love him anymore which is what she keeps saying over and over again okay that makes sense to me yeah it's a little unflattering to everyone <laughs> this musical is just gonna be unflattering to everyone <laughs> I mean it's the room Okay, so then she, she, does she call up, she calls up Mark? I think this has to be, once he comes over, I think this has to be a sort of seduction song, a seduction duet, where Lisa's really going for it, and Mark is like, but Johnny's my best friend. My only thing here. Here's my only thing of this idea, because what what we're sort of playing with right now is a seduction song where Johnny's like, no, what about my friend? What about my friend? I feel like we kind of have just done two numbers where it's been a, they've been juxtaposition numbers. I feel like we need the two characters to be on the same page in this number. Yeah, I mean, but we we have to have something with with, um, Johnny's my best friend. That has to be at some point a thing, you know? Sure. Um, because it's an iconic line. Yeah, he says it like a thousand times, and I feel like that's like, you know, part of... And the number would be called Johnny's My Best Friend? Yeah. Okay, that's fine with me. Should we go back and get a little more gung-ho about it? (laughs) What's the reservation? (laughs) The reservation, I mean, it's just, and maybe this is just the trick of this movie is... So much of it is just how the lines are crazy and how they're said by those actors. Right. And they're not actually that, like, funny divorce from that. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Yeah, but I think we have to, like, roll with that. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what happens then? Yeah, I guess my problem is I don't remember, like, even having just watched it today, I can't keep track of the order because it's so nonsensical, so I need you to help get me to... So what happens next? So dramatically, I guess what needs to happen is um, getting to this place. This is hard. It's a hard one. Um, Maybe this is kind of what I'm struggling with. It's just like us saying like we kind of need to make up our own plot. Like I get like I agree that's what we have to do. But it's just like there is no plot. Like I don't have any I don't have any concept of how to get to the end of act one. Not immediately. Or just do random shit until it. You know what I mean? If, listen, if we're feeling really stumped, you know. Sorry, I'm like, I'm like devoid of any ideas. (laughs) 
<laughs> you're not. You're yes. already stuck, John says. <laughs> um, I'm fine regrouping. Can we, can, and... can, we, can, we, can we get can we get Johnny Fingers in here to talk about it? Yes, Johnny Fingers. <laughs> hey, Johnny Fingers. So at this point in the process, we had to turn off our mics because I became so dispirited by the artistic Mount Everest that is the room, the musical. And I said, I can't do it. I need to take a break. I need to sleep on it. Yes, which we're going to do. So this is the first episode that we will ever have done where we took a break in the middle because we were we were defeated by the room. We've been de- we've been defeated by Tommy Wiseau. They did it with hairspray. They did it with Xanadu. Why not Inception? Or maybe The Godfather 2. They did it with Spamalot and Little Shop and Grumhead. Okay, we're back. Uh, <laughs> we took a several day break from the room because the room broke me personally. <laughs> Oh, the room. Yeah, Tommy Wiseau is my Moby Dick, though. (laughs) It is funny that, like, of all the movies, this was the one that broke us. I think there's a very clear reason why this is the one that broke us, and I'll I'll start us off with that, if that's okay with you, because I think it's something we need to talk about a little more. Yes, go off. The biggest thing for me is, like, it's a lot easier to take a movie that is good or mostly works and figure out how to make a comedic version of it that is also good and mostly works and not making fun of it. But I'm trying to, I have the hardest time imagining what is the good version of The Room. And I'd like it if we could just spend like a few minutes or seconds or milliseconds just like imagining what is the good version of The Room. Well, I think, I think number one, we have to treat it as not a bad movie. We have to treat it as this sort of like sacred text, sort of. Right, I agree with that. Like, I think we can take the idea of, like, presenting this very sort of quotidian guy gets cheated on story with the absolute passion of, like, a 1700s, like, opera or a Shakespearean drama. You know what I mean? Like, I think that still can work for us without being parody, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I I think definitely. Yeah, I mean, this was sort of a thought I had watching it initially is, like, what if this is, like, a sung-through musical? Yeah, let's make this, like, an operetta. So, like, do we want... So how do we want to handle... The question becomes, how do we want to handle the the um, Lisa sleeping with Mark and then these sort of other little things? There's just, like, a lot of just random strangeness thrown in, like... Um, there's that adult orphan who is, uh, ostensibly lives next door and Denny gets in trouble with like drugs at one point. And also there are, there is this random couple that, uh, shows up that may or may not be, um, Johnny and Lisa's friends who, um, like have sex on their couch. And I think we just sort of need to decide and agree on like, how do those things relate? Like which ones of them are just random and which ones inform the plot? Yeah. My one idea is, like, I would love for the way Johnny starts to get suspicious to be a little less, um, in the movie it's just he stumbles on and hear, overhears them in the apartment, which is kind of boring. I think it, it, it could be something a little uh, more plot specific. So maybe the couple who 
hooks up in his apartment. They randomly leave their underwear. That happens in the movie. He leaves his underwear in the movie. And maybe oh. instead of him going back to get it, Johnny finds it and is like, doesn't know whose it is. And is like, my, my uh, Lisa is having an affair. We can sort of use underwear moment as a sort of like Iago handkerchief. <laughs> um, <laughs> moment. Oh my God. So yeah, all these little plot things can be a little more like who Johnny suspects. Is there a way to tie the drug deal gone wrong into Denny's love for Lisa into Johnny suspecting Denny? I think if the idea is that Denny was, if we if we flesh out a little Denny's backstory, and Denny was this like drug addicted um, orphan who Johnny really, like, found and, like, nursed back to health and now is sort of, like, financially and emotionally supporting, if Johnny suspects that Denny is sleeping with Lisa, that might cause Johnny to say, I'm cutting you off, Denny, and then Denny could get thrown back into drugs. Denny spirals from there. Yes. I vote we kill Denny in Act 2, kill the adult orphan, so now it's not just that his fiance is cheating of his best friend, but it's also that he, in his blind rage and jealousy, cut out one of the only true friends he's had and <laughs> thus killed him by Chris R's hands. Sure, I think that's fine. I, I will miss him cradling Johnny's head at the end and saying, leave us, but that's fine. <gasps> well, then we can make it even more Shakespearean. Maybe he thinks Denny's dead. It's very Romeo and Juliet. He hears that Denny has died, and it's false. Oh, it's false. that's good. Because cool. I do feel like Denny at the end saying, leave us, is very bizarre and wonderful. Okay, so let's get back into it. Let's figure out which things we want to keep from earlier. Um, the opening number had been, oh, hi. Do we keep it or change so, it? So, yeah, so I think, I think we keep that. I think that's, like, as it is. Um, yeah. And then... Previously, we'd had this love song where he's expressing how good life is with his partner, but she's sort of like, why is sex with you so weird? And he doesn't get it. Do you think we can still do that? Does that st idea still work? Yeah, I think so. So right? what do you think the bizarre lovemaking song is called? I mean, like, is it bad if it's just like, sex with you, open parentheses, why I gotta be so weird? Yeah. And then initially we had had um, the mother came over. Yeah, I think that I think all of that still works. Yes, I, I think so. Um, what's that song called? She says, "I'm gonna do what I want to do, and that's it." What do you think I should do? That is crazy because I actually think Tommy Wiseau in writing that line really captured the essence of human behavior. <laughs> What if, like, at the end of this podcast, Kyle, we basically red pill ourselves into thinking the room is actually, like, a masterpiece of human behavior? <laughs> it is a masterpiece of uh, some type of human behavior. <laughs> <laughs> now we're basically caught up to speed, right? Like, that that's where we got before I had my, like, mental breakdown shaking in a closet with fury that I couldn't uncrack the walnut that was the room. Originally, we had her going to Mark right here. Yeah. I wonder if it will help pay off everything if we have a Mark and Johnny scene first. That's probably good. So we should have a, a song of them running around and throwing a football back and forth. <laughs> we, we could just call it Best Friends. We could call it Best Friends. Well, how about this? 
BFFF, best friends for football. <laughs> yes. And it's them running around a park, having the best time being such friends. It's literally just incomprehensible friendship platitudes in two men wearing vague <laughs> exercise gear slash cut off button ups, throwing footballs in all yeah, the wrong exactly. ways. <laughs> yes. My friendship for you is like a football chunkily flying through the air. Up and down. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. They've never thrown... They don't know how footballs work. No. Or how our, or how uh, language works. So, um... They don't know how football's language or friendship works, and thus, this song is insane. Yes. But it, it nevertheless, it does establish that they are best friends. Yeah. You, you, you the audience member, even though you know what's going to happen, you're just like... God, what could come between them? Nothing could come between them. So could there be um, uh, something then when it's like Johnny maybe has to go into work at the bank and uh, he asks like Mark to like go back home and do something, but Mark shows up like all sweaty? Mm. It does seem of the room to just do that. Johnny's like, oh no, look at the time. I have to be at bank meeting. You go into my, you go to my house now. And he shows up at the house, and Lisa's there. Does it, does it become a s- seduction? Yeah, it's it should be a seduction. That feels right. She seduces him. There's no way around it. I think it should be called... She says to him at one point, I like you very much, lover boy. I think it should be called, like, lover boy or something. And, like, mm. it's she has this moment with, like, all this ambiance. And, like, she could be... She says in the movie, she says... Or, or no, Mark says in the movie, he goes, the candles, the music, the sexy dress. Like, and there's no candles and no music. So, like, if she... So, if she's just sort of, like... Jess, she's like, the candles, the velvet carpet. And it's like this sort of like sexy tango song. Mm. And she's just gesturing to all these things that just aren't actually there. But she's like, but I like you very much, lover boy. And he's like, I can't. And it's really tortured for him. He's like, I can't do this. Johnny's my best friend. He says that over and over again. And she's like, I know, I know Johnny's your best friend. But like, I like you very much, lover boy. And eventually... This sexy tango gets to them, and they bone. Yes. On the stairs. On the stairs? Is that what happens in the movie? Yeah. Those are pretty sexy stairs. It's a circular staircase. It's pretty hot. Maybe we can have, like, a ballet sequence then where um, they try to have sex on this (laughs) spiral staircase. (laughs) Yeah, it, it seems logistically difficult. Yeah. And then I think we need to get... Because we, we can't lose focus on Tommy or Johnny. We can't lose focus on Johnny. Yeah. This number has to be like, we see how important it is what he gets from Lisa, but we now know it's a lie. Yeah, 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 yeah. She in the movie has this great line where he spent maybe two minutes of the movie complaining about his job and how upset he is and how betrayed he feels. And she says, are you okay? Something seems wrong. <laughs> is something wrong? And it's like, girl, he just told you what's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, this, I'm sorry to just be, like, copying, like, the lines from the movie and making them the titles of songs, but, like, this line is, has to be the title of a song. It's, I'm tired, I'm wasted, I love you, darling. (laughs) (laughs) I'm tired, I'm wasted, and I love you, darling. Say it again really loud and clear. I'm tired, I'm wasted, I love you, darling. 
And it's and it's all about how he how he um she she always knows how to make his life better. She always knows how to cheer him up. Yeah, or so he thinks. Or so he thinks. But we know. Yeah. Mm. The treachery, Kyle, the treachery. The treachery indeed. What if okay, we had initially uh, had this idea that Ohai would end with him proposing to Lisa. Ooh, but you're saying he should propose here. Maybe he should propose here because it up it ups the stakes, right? Or yeah, or, that, or or oh my God. what <laughs> if what if Johnny proposes to Lisa in this moment, and then Lisa's like, I have to think about it, and then because Lisa sees Johnny's bravery in dealing with. Whatchamacall, with, with the Chris R situation. Oh, you mean the, the drug deal that happens with Denny yes. later. She decides that she is going to accept, she's going to cut it off with Mark and accept it, but Johnny finds the underwear. Beautiful. Now we need the uh, the crazy couple, the random couple having sex in their apartment, right? <laughs> yeah, so like, how, how does this happen? <laughs> what happens in the movie is literally Lisa and her judgmental mom walk in on them. So maybe what we can do here is, like, Lisa goes to her mom again for advice. Yeah. And I think the mom should question Lisa's life choices. When Lisa says, like, what life choices do I make are bad, the mom can allude to the fact that Lisa rents out the apartment to swingers who are looking for a place to be. (laughs) And the mom is like... Like Lisa's like, what do what what do you mean? What do I do? What could possibly be a bad life decision? And the mother's like, well, what about how you rent out the place to swingers? <laughs> so casual. And then we go into this crazy swinger number, right? Where these two people just have sex on someone else's couch. Another like alternative could be uh, title to it could just be sex is always hotter on someone else's couch. Yeah, that's good. Sex that is always hotter on someone else's a little couch. bit more. And is it just these two? It's like just the two. Of, it's not like there's like, we don't like expand it and make it like. Because I think what we're discovering is that the room really is a chamber piece. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it can just be the two. And I think, I think we intercut it with more conversations between Lisa and her mom. And it, what it's building to is Lisa more and more defending her decision and her mom more and more being like, but you're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. It's going to all crumble. And Lisa being like, there's no way I'm ever going to get caught. And we see yes. the number end and he leaves his underwear under the couch. Yes. So we're sort of setting up a, I don't want to call it Chekhov's abandoned underwear, but. Uh, <laughs> I think we must. <laughs> Great. So then. We're, we're, we're almost at the end of act one, right? Damn. Yeah. And just so we, just so we are clear, we have introduced Denny at this point. Yeah. I think Denny came in, in the, the sex duet. There's so many sex duets. There's literally three sex duets in act one. (laughs) I mean, is it worth tossing in a song earlier where like we really establish like who Denny is? I think we can either put Denny into the number with Johnny and Mark, the uh, best friends for football number. Yeah. 
Or I think we just have him as this weird lurking figure throughout Act One who we don't know who he is. Sure. And then here in this moment, we introduce him. He's on the rooftop with Johnny hanging out. Is he on the roof with Johnny or is it is it like how does this drug how does Chris R come into it? I think he should be on the roof of Johnny. I think we can have the whole like I know this is out of order but being like Danny being like Hey, Johnny, it's so good to be your friend. You're such a good person. What movie are we seeing tonight? And Johnny says, don't make plans. Yes. <laughs> yes. What does he say? He, he does. Say, I don't know. Danny don't plan does ask too him, much. Uh, yeah. D- Johnny says, oh, we can go see a movie. And Danny says, oh, what movie are we going to see? And Johnny says, ah, I don't know. Don't plan too much, Danny. It might not work out. <laughs> it's like you brought it up, dude. And then I think Johnny goes downstairs to get something. Johnny does. Yeah, yes. I think Johnny's like, I'll be right back. I've got to get my wallet, then we can go see a movie. And Chris R., the drug dealer, bursts into the rooftop, and there's this extremely dramatic standoff on the roof, right? Like, guns pointed at everyone, Johnny sobbing, Denny sobbing, Lisa sobbing, and Chris yeah, R. Yeah, it's like a... And, like, everybody's singing, and, like, it's very intense. And, like, everybody's there. Like, the moms, the moms there. Mark, Johnny, they're all... And they're all singing passionately about, don't do this, Denny, what's happening? You're taking drugs. It's just all chaos. So what? So I think what should definitely happen is, like, at the climax of this horrifying moment of everyone belting and singing eight different things johnny should do some sort of like awesome like aerial high kick yes like in the air where he spins and kicks the gun out of the drug dealer's hands the drug dealer flees denny has this sort of breaking down moment where he's like i'm sorry before you were my emotional and financial benefactor yes I was addicted to drugs, and I'm sorry. I, I struggled. Yeah. I, I let you down. Johnny's like, it's okay. I'm here for you. Yeah. He does say to uh, Denny at one point, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a much better place to live. And maybe that can become this sort of, like, act one finale moment that's, like... Yeah, so maybe, like, when when Denny is, like apologizing and is like, I, I've let you down. And Johnny is like, you haven't let me down. I love you. You yes. love everyone. Lisa loves me. I love Mark. If everyone just loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. And, it, and that's like, Lisa's like, oh, that's so beautiful. Go get this ring. Yes. It's all swelling. That 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 sentiment is swelling from them all. Yeah. We see sort of them up on the roof, Johnny in the apartment. We're like, yes, act one is ending on such a high note. He he's growls to grab the ring and he says, what's this? And he holds up another man's underwear and says, Lisa? Blackout. Blackout. Yes. <laughs> if a lot of people loved one another, the world would be a much better place to live. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Da, 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 da. If a lot of people loved one another. It's a jam. Sure, it does sound like a jam. So that's that. So maybe Act 2 should start with, like, a stasis song of... 
Lisa, Mark, and Johnny, and everything's back to normal. But we know that Johnny is suspicious. Yeah, it, maybe this could be him, like, recording. He could, he could like, hook up the recording stuff. Or, or we could do an Ojai reprise, and it's like everyone else thinks things are great, and he's like, oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Danny. Like, he's being <laughs> oh. suspicious. And, like, t- and like we, we, we go through, like, all the places he went in Act 1, and now he's, like, hiding, like, recorders and yeah. cameras. He and thinks stuff. the, like, flower shop lady is maybe sleeping with... <laughs> Maybe sleeping with Lisa. Suddenly everyone's a suspect. And then I think we need a I think we need to acknowledge. I do think we have to set up we have to set up that Lisa's gonna throw this surprise birthday party. I think I think the next number, I think you're right, should be like Lisa is gonna make a surprise birthday party and Mark comes over to help and she's like, Mark, I'm really sorry, but I love Johnny and I wanna make this work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think we should have a number. Maybe this can be like the tuxes or maybe it can be the psychologist. Maybe all this can be wrapped up. I think we should have a number where <laughs> John Johnny has this moment in the movie where he's like, I'm going to tell you about, it's an interesting story about how yeah. me and Lisa met. This has to be it. And then he tells the story and Mark says, what's interesting about that? <laughs> It's really good. But I think specifically in our version, he should be using that story as a sort of the play within a play in Hamlet where Hamlet does the play to sort of flush out the guilt. I think Tommy should gather all of his male friends who might be sleeping with Lisa with the plan. I am going to tell them how we met to see who looks the most guilty. Well, and we could, we could combine that with, um, the, the tuxes thing. Maybe that's. Yes. 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 (laughs) Yeah. So I think the way to connect these dots, can I, can I take us on a little bit of a journey to connect these dots? Yeah, we got it. We got to connect. The Ojai reprise ends. Mm -hmm. Johnny's suspicious of everything. We cut to Lisa who is preparing a birthday party for Johnny. What, what could the name of the song be? Like surprise or something. Just, just something simple. Yeah, something simple. And in it, Mark comes over and she's like, hey, we can't sleep together anymore. Maybe this actually, maybe this is a good place to, sorry, because I do feel like we have to squeeze this, this whole motif of like in the movie, they do this thing. They're like, you're just a chicken. Cheep, 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 cheep. Maybe, (laughs) maybe the song is, there's like set up this sort of recitative about the setting up for the for the birthday party, but Mark comes in and is like, let's do this. Like, I'm ready for it. And Lisa's like, we can't do it anymore. And Mark sings to Lisa, you're just a chicken. Cheep, 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 cheep. Great. Is that a- yes. <laughs> so the actual number is you're just a chicken. Cheep, 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 cheep. Yes. It's, it's like the pick a little talk a little ladies in the music man. <laughs> and it's Mark saying, I really want this to continue. And Lisa's like, no, we can't do this anymore. I really love Johnny. Great. Yes. So, Yes. Then what I think happens. Yes. They leave. Johnny comes in. He reveals a hidden tape recorder. He listens to a part of the song, but it's before she says, no, I'm not going to do it. So she, so Johnny doesn't know that it's off anymore, but he just knows here's a recording of her with the person. Yes. He, they, he doesn't hear the name Mark. Maybe they never say names, but he's like, I recognize that voice. I've been betrayed by someone I know. Yes. And he hears the chicken cheep, cheep, cheep part. He's like, oh, all of my friends make this noise. Yes. It could be any of my friends. Yes. Which of my friends is betraying me? I know. I will gather all of my friends here 
to in tuxes to confront them and tell the story and see which is most guilty. It's literally Hamlet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so they're in the tuxes. And he's like, and, he, and he's reasoning it out with us. He's like, but why would all of my male friends be in the same room at once? I know, tuxedo photo shoot. Yes. <laughs> the only way. So they all gather. And he sings the story of how I met Lisa. Yeah. So, okay, so just to, just be, I just want to read this, this scene, because it is crazy. Johnny explains uh, how he and Lisa met, and he says, oh, that's a very interesting story. When I moved to San Francisco with two suitcases, and I didn't know anyone, and I have, I hit YMCA with a $2,000 check that I couldn't cash. Mark says, why not? Johnny says, well, because it was an out-of-state bank. <laughs> what? And then he says, anyway, I was working as a busboy in hotel and um, she was sitting drinking her coffee and she was so beautiful. I say hi to her. And that's how we met. <laughs> that's it. He just went up to her and said hi. <laughs> of course, that's how Tommy was so met. The, the way that Johnny, this character who only says oh hi to people, the way he met his fucking fiance as he went up to her and said, oh hi. And the whole point is him trying to flush it out. And he's like, my friend, the psychiatrist is not looking guilty. Mark is not looking guilty. Who is looking guilty? And then because he says, because his story is about how he saw Lisa at this hotel drinking her coffee and he thought she was so beautiful, Denny admits, I think she's beautiful too. And then he, Denny sings a little bit of a song that has something to do with like, she looks good in a red dress, which is something he says in the movie. <laughs> And like this. Yeah. And it's just this horrible moment where Denny doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. He's trying to be a good friend and admit that he he sympathizes with Johnny because she is so beautiful. He's trying to bond with her. But Johnny totally misreads the sweet. She looks good in red or whatever the song is called. He look, she looks good in a red dress. Casts De He banishes Denny out of his life. He rips his tuxedo and throws him out into the streets. He says, I throw you like a football. And he yes. banishes Denny and Denny's sobbing and it's horrible. It's horrible. And then he's like, all right, everybody. I am too sad for photos and leaves. Mark is left. Lisa comes in. She's like, I saw Denny sobbing and Johnny storming off. I knew something like this would happen. But oh my God, you look so good in a tux with a clean face. And it's a song called Baby Face. <laughs> And they fuck. Wow. That's good. So, so so the dominoes have been set up now, and, and now they just must fall. Yeah, now we're just at the party. We're at the party. It, I think it's okay that Act 2 is relatively short. No, it's great. <laughs> I think this should be, like, okay, so there's this great line that says, I feel like I'm uh, sitting on an atomic bomb waiting for it to go off. And I think this needs to be like a super tense sort of like da, 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 da. like another big climactic like montage song where a lot of different shit is going on. And I think if it's just called like Atomic Bomb and they all feel like they're sitting on an atomic bomb waiting for it to go off, like like Johnny right. is like, oh, Lisa fucked Denny. Like he's all keyed up about that. Lisa's like, I have fucked Mark and I want to do it again. Mark's like, I have this secret. Claudette's like, I have breast cancer still. Like it's all just <laughs> still just like, like everybody's, it's really cooking. Right? Right. And I think the, key, well, but I also think it should maybe be one of those songs where you get this big contrast where like maybe the chorus is this booming like, we're all having fun and drinking together. And yes. It's getting louder and louder. And then it like cuts away and it's like, 
oh, I'm so mad at this person. But I think the vibe is that, like, everything's all happening. Right. And so here's what it all builds to. I'm really excited about this. I really think we've done just a spanking good job at setting up the Shakespearean tragedy that's about to happen. Yeah. The parties, everything's, the atomic bomb's about to go off. And everyone, the emphasis is, like, we're sitting on an atomic bomb and all it's going to take is a little spark to set it off. Yes. And there's a knock at the door. And, and someone, I don't know if it's a police person, a <laughs> nurse, a... It's Chris R. Chris R. shows up. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Knock on the door and Chris R., the drug dealer, is there. And he's like, I'm so sorry to deliver this news. I'm now a benevolent drug dealer. Yes. Denny just overdosed on drugs. He's dead. And Tommy's like, oh, no, I killed Denny. And everyone's like, no, Denny's dead. And everyone's sobbing. And, ev- and Lisa is like, why did he do drugs? Why did he do drugs? Yes. And Chris R. is like... Oh, he spiraled ever since Tommy kicked him out of his apartment. And Lisa's like, why did you kick him out of his apartment? And Tommy's like, because he was having an affair with you. I found the underwear. Yes. And that's when it comes out. that, And she's like, no, you idiot. I wasn't cheating on you with T- Denny. It was Mark. Yes. Which is all leading up to the climactic moment, which we've really been t- – people who are listening to this are probably like – why haven't they done this moment yet? Where is it? Which is, of course, the most iconic moment of the room, which is, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. Which is... Yes. Which happens in sort of an inane moment in the movie, but clearly needs to be a sort of 11 o'clock moment. Yeah, well, well, I think this whole moment where, like, all the truth is coming out and he's realizing just the... All the little things that happened and he understood wrong, like how yes. he's how everything's been ruined. The underwear was swingers and not an affair. And yes. Denny wasn't trying to hurt him. Denny was trying to help him. All of these things have led to this disastrous moment where he's lost his fiance, he's lost oh, his best, best friend, friend, and he's lost his adult orphan. Yes. And then he sings an 11 o'clock solo, You Are Tearing Me Apart. Right? I think, the, yeah, the solo is You Are Tearing Me Apart, Lisa, where he realizes it all. And you know what? I think we should. I think in the movie, the party ends. Everyone goes home and like he trashes the room like by himself later on at night. But like, I feel like we've got to just go right into it. And you are tearing me apart. Lisa has to become this like, okay. so like in the movie, he kills himself by himself. But like, because this is a musical, I think he's got to like go out into the street. It's got to be like raining and like he's got to like trash the room and go out into the street everybody from the party comes out he's singing you are tearing me apart lisa and he blows his brains out right um yeah but i also do like the sort of thing of how everyone stumbles upon him like hasn't you know what i mean like finds him i do like the idea that like everybody finds him not just mark and lisa and denny but like it's like the end of West Side Story where, like, the sharks and the jets converge. And, yeah, like, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. The, the flower shop woman is there with the dog. And maybe, like, as Johnny's dying, his last words are, oh, hi, doggy, to the dog. And then, no, 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 they're, they're oh, bye, doggy. Oh, <laughs> bye, doggy. And then he dies. And, and then... Do you want to say it? Well, yeah, go for well it. so Lisa and Mark are there and they're like, oh, my God, look what we've done. And then the 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 Red Sea of the people part and Denny runs forward. Right. Yes. Denny runs forward and everyone's like, we just heard you overdosed. And he's like, yes, 
a little bit, but I <laughs> got okay. That was a week ago, and I've been in recovery, and I'm I'm ready to turn my life around. Johnny, no. Yes. And it's a classic Shakespearean. You, if you waited ten minutes, you would have known the person was alive. Yeah. And then what happens, which is very similar to sort of, I think it's like it's raining now on stage. The, the water is oh, yeah. washing the blood of Tommy Wiseau away. Denny says, leave us. <laughs> he sings, leave us. And the, all the people part one by one. The dog goes away. Lisa goes away. Mark goes away. And Denny is left with the body of Tommy Wiseau. And he needs this, like, final solo that is sort of, like, you, you know the sort of, like, Shakespearean epilogues where he sort of moralizes the yeah. fault of everyone, but he also sort of creates the audience as, like, a complicit agent and everything? Like, you... You know what I mean? Like... what I know you hate me for doing reprises, but I think it's good in this case. What if it is, like, a reprise of that if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live motif? Oh, I think that's great. And maybe it actually ends with, like, everybody holding hands on the apron of the stage and, like, Tommy was so dead comes forward. You know? It's like a... You know? Because now yeah. they're just the actors telling us the moral. That's great. I love that, actually. Yeah, I think it's really good. I find it moving. <laughs> I think it's very moving. I think it is, um, yeah, I want, I kind of want to go do it. I think our version of The Room says more than our version of, uh, Fight Club. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's the bar we're all judging everything off of, so that's good. What do we do now? What do we talk about now? I forget. It's been a while. (laughs) Who, do you have any casting ideas? I mean, where do you even begin with this? This is a big casting search. Maybe the only way we could cast this well, but also responsibly, would be to first do a reality TV show. Yes. Uh, where we try to find the person to play Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. <laughs> I think Denny should be, like, somebody really old. I was thinking Joel Grey for Denny. <laughs> or Victor Garber as Denny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> the point is, it's the oldest member of the cast. Um, I think you get, like, Megan Hilty to be Lisa. Meg Hilty and, like, Tay Diggs. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> now we have to do the recap. Yes. We are presenting The Room, not as a parody, but as sort of a Shakespearean, operatic, tragedy of errors, and it's this epic tale of one man's sort of world crumbling around him. Yes. So the opening number is that man, Johnny, walking around his beloved San Francisco singing, oh, hi to everyone. Oh, hi, Mark, my best friend. Oh, hi, Lisa. Oh, hi, Denny. Oh, hi, doggy. And it's basically like his life is great. Everyone loves him. But we are also sort of introducing all of the people that are going to betray him. And, and he has this sort of, like, storybook romance with Lisa. They sing this song together, which sort of riffs on the sort of graphic sex scenes of the room. And it's called Sex With You, open parentheses, why does it have to be so weird? Close parentheses. Right. So she starts having doubts about the relationship, and she goes to talk to her mom, and she sings, I'm going to do what I want to do, what do you think I should do? Yes. Which is her, like, fierce, I'm taking my life into my own hands, I'm, I'm going to have an affair number. It is an aria, yes. And it cuts to... This song that basically sets up the fact that, like, Mark and Johnny are best friends, and it's called BFFF, Best Friends for Football. <laughs> 
Um, and then Johnny has to go to the bank. So very bizarrely, he's like, oh, Mark, take my football back to uh, my house. So Mark is like super sweaty and shows up at Johnny and Lisa's house where... They have this seduction song where she is sort of setting up ambience and it's called Lover Boy. And it's him being like, no, I want to, but Johnny's my best friend. Slowly she convinces him. And as the music swells romantically, they struggle with the logistics of having sex on a spiral staircase. Yes. Johnny comes marching home. He was expecting this promotion at the at the bank where he works. They make a lot of money. And um, winds up singing this song called I'm Tired, I'm Wasted, I Love You, Darling, which is this very romantic song. He proposes to her. Lisa says, I love you, Johnny, but I need to think about it. So now she goes to see her mother again, and she's yes. like, I need advice. And Claudette's like, you always make really bad choices. And Lisa's like, what? And Claudette's like, remember, you gave your key to a bunch of swingers so they could just have <laughs> sex in your apartment. <laughs> And we have this weird number called, there's uh, a weird song called Sex is Always Hotter on someone else's couch where the swingers sleep with each other in Lisa and Johnny's apartment. And the sort of important detail is the swinger man leaves his underwear under the couch, which takes us to the most reasonable place ever, the roof. (laughs) While Denny's alone on the roof, there's this big climactic act one finale song, which begins with this drug bus, like Chris R., this man, bursts onto the roof and confronts Denny. And everyone is, like, crying. And Johnny does this, like, crazy Matrix-style, like, bullet-time aerial kick and kicks the gun out of Chris R.'s hands. (laughs) And then Denny's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And Johnny's like, it's okay, I love you. If a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a much better place to live. And it's this like big sort of rallying song that like is so impressive that Lisa is like, I need to marry him. So Lisa's like, go get the ring now. We'll do this. And <laughs> and he runs downstairs <laughs> and he finds as he's trying to get the ring, he finds the underwear under the couch curtain. So. Act two starts with a reprise of Oh Hi, where it's him going through his life again and seeing everyone, but now he is suspicious of everyone and he's like setting up that he is going to record them, spy on them. He's going to get to the bottom of this. He's paranoid now. He thinks everyone is an enemy. It turns into this uh, moment where Lisa is plan- wants to plan a surprise party for Johnny and Mark comes over and uh, Lisa's like, no, we can't do this anymore. It's over. I'm marrying Johnny. And Mark, like, scolds her with this song that is, you're just a chicken. Cheep, 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 cheep. <laughs> Johnny comes home. He finds the tape recorder. He listens to some, but not enough to, A, find out that the affair is over, or B, know for sure who's talking. But he knows it's one of his friends because him and his friends are the only people who do the cheap, 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 chicken, chicken, chicken thing. Yeah. So he's like, oh, my God, I'm being betrayed by someone I know. And he comes up with this plan to flush out the bad person, a la Hamlet and Claudius. So he gathers all of his friends. He sings How I Met Lisa. And Denny, not really understanding the, the weight of what he's saying, tries to talk about how wonderful Lisa is by saying she looks good in a red dress. And Johnny thinks it's Denny admitting he's the one having the affair. Yes. And he casts Denny aside. He kicks Denny out of the apartment and of his life. And Denny runs out sobbing. Everyone leaves. 
except for Mark, who is discovered by Lisa. All she wants, she's like, I'm marrying Johnny. She wants it all to be okay, but like, she can't help it. Like, Mark has like shaved his face and he looks great in the tux. And she sings this song called Baby Face about how she wants to fuck him <laughs> and they have sex. Ugh. Um, and then so there's the party song, which is called Atomic Bomb. And the vibe of this song is everyone is trying to get along at this party. They're getting drunk together, but they all feel like they're sitting on an atomic bomb that's going to go off if there's just one little spark. Yes. And that little spark manifests itself in a knock at the door. It's Chris R., the drug dealer. <laughs> and he tells them all a terrible thing has happened and Denny has overdosed on drugs. And there's this horrible moment where he, where the truth comes out. It wasn't Denny. It was Mark sleeping with Lisa. He may have killed Denny for nothing. And he screams, sings, Kyle, take it away. The, basically his big 11 o'clock, like, big, like, anthem, which is, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. He realizes that all these mistakes have happened. And he runs out into the streets and he shoots himself. And as Johnny is dying, the dog, like, holds Johnny's hand. And Johnny says, oh, bye, doggy." <laughs> And then the crowd parts and Denny, who is not in fact dead, runs on and Denny sees his best friend lying dead on the ground. He says, leave us. And everyone sort of backs up and Denny sings this sort of moralizing epilogue reprise of if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a much better place to live. And we all leave. We all trickle out of this strange operatic comedy feeling like we need to call our loved ones and tell them we love them. Yes. Or else we too will die on the streets of San Francisco cradling the flower shop dog's paw. <laughs> it's, it's exactly right. You know, I mean, I know this is just a goofy, silly podcast that you listen to in your spare time, maybe. But I hope you walk away from this. Uh, having seen how much we struggled with the subject and overcame it, I hope you think, what is that one thing I've been too scared of? <laughs> what is the thing I've been yes. too scared to tackle? What is my... Everest, Moby Dick, The Room musical. And I hope you go forth and do it. Because anything is possible if a lot of people love each other. The world would be a much better <laughs> place to live. This is the last time we're going to do this for a little while. This is the last time I get to say welcome back for a little bit. But we'll be back soon. You know at the end of the Bond movies, after, at the end of the credits, and it says James Bond will return? <laughs> That's us. Johnny Fingers will return. <laughs> Johnny Fingers will return. We'll be back. Anyway, some time has passed. Uh, you went away. You wrote a song. A lot of talented people, and in this case, I really mean a lot of talented people, took the song yes. and made it into what we're all about to hear. Um, Kyle, would you like to set the scene? Yeah, this is the opening number. <laughs> like, the curtain opens and this happens, right? So, without further ado, arranged, orchestrated, and mixed by Jason Weisinger, here's Gray Henson and company singing Oh Hi from The Room, the musical. up on the
the city by the bay. I rise ass naked to begin my day. I style my hair like a Halloween wig, and I put on a suit two sizes too big. I work at the bank, and we make a lot of money. I laugh at things that other people wouldn't think are funny. So, yeah, then she ended up at a hospital on Guerrero Street. Ah, cool story, Mark. I greet each morning the same old way. I step outside and say, oh, hi. 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 The corn is as high as a big doggy's eye. Under the skies of San Francisco here, the cable cars beep. The birds how they cheep, 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 cheep. Oh, it's so sweet in San Francisco. I cross Valencia Street to get Lisa a gorgeous bouquet. I pass Alcatraz on the way. And all of the prisoners smile and say, oh, hi, oh, hi, oh, hi, oh, hi. It's a great day to be Yeah, can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? Gonna be $18. Here you go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Oh, my. He's such a great guy. Supports and provides for his beloved lady, Lisa. He would do anything. He'd buy a ring. For now, I'll just get her a pizza. Half Canadian bacon, pineapple, half artichoke with pesto, please. And Lisa will love what she sees. As long as you make sure it's right on the cheese. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. That was everyone's favorite and he was the morning guy. Shades over his eyes. I hear he's an immortal. Oh, well. Oh, hi. I am so happy. Mark is a best friend and I love Lisa so much They'd never betray my trust So world give a shove, the sun's up above I've got so much love to give And if a lot of people loved one another The world would be a much better place to live Oh hi Johnny Oh hi Denny, what's new with you? Not much Still going to the movie tonight? Sure we are. What kind of movie we gonna see? Well, we'll see. Danny, don't plan too much. It might not come out right. You're right. Let's toss the ball around. My name is Danny. I am an orphan. Nobody knows how old I am. I like to watch people having sex. Oh, hi, Mark. Johnny's my best friend. I am his best friend I never do anything to hurt our friendship Oh, hi, my name is Johnny's my Jim best friend. friend Nobody knows I am his best I friend I, like I never do anything to hurt us To hurt our friendship hi, My name is Johnny's my best friend Nobody knows I am his best friend I never just ever had a heartbreak 
or strife I have the best life And someday you'll soon I'll make Lisa my wife That's it for season one. Thanks so much for listening along with us the whole season. It's really been a joy. We'll be back soon with season two, which will uh, inevitably be bigger, louder, and fiercer. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Insert Movie Here. Insert Movie Here is hosted by myself, Sam French. And me, Kyle Wilson. As always, we have a thousand thank yous. To all the incredible musicians on this week's song, Oh Hi is arranged, orchestrated, and mixed by Jason Weisinger and mastered by Alex Nielsen. Featuring Gray Henson as Johnny, Daniel Mertzleft as Mark, Jackson Perrin as Denny, and Nicole Vasquez as Flower Shop Lady. Singing in the San Franciscan Chorus is Sam Balzac, Derek Davis, Molly Griggs, Emily Gardner Zhu Hall, Tim Heller, Chloe Holgate, Jacqueline Keeley, Zanny Laird, Jess Laprado, Jackson Perrin, Brandy Porter, Nicholas Del Prince, Rick Rea, Erica Spires, Nicole Vasquez, Melissa Weisbach, and Jason Weisinger. Michael Jones on trumpet, Kenneth Johnson on trombone, David Leon on sax, Tomoko Akaboshi on violins and viola, Ansel Cohen on cello, and Dan Burkery on drums. Our theme song is produced by Andy Einhorn, arranged and orchestrated by Nevada Lozano, mixed by Daniel Kluger, mastered by Jessica Thompson, and music edited by David Dabin. Will Blum on lead vocals, Lindsay Roberts, Zanny Laird, Jackson Perrin, and Adrian Rosas singing backup. Trevor Newman on trumpet, Rebecca Patterson on trombone, Chad Smith on sax, and Evan Hyde on drums. Our logo is designed by Thomas Constantine Moore, incidental music arranged by Jeremy Robin Lyons. Our music supervisor is Andy Einhorn, and our executive producer is John Albert Harris. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. Bye.